I didn't know at the time that that's what I was doing to myself. I didn't realize I was molding this future version of myself, but the future version of myself then is who I am now. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I'm your host, Rick Jordan. Today, I have an amazing guest, Matt Rosenthal. What's shaking, buddy? What's up? Hey, hey. Awesome. awesome. I'm excited to have you on because you're a cybersecurity expert just like me. And you know, I see that you're listed in your title company, whatever. Don't you love that field on our intake form? Uh, <laughs> I as, do. <laughs> as business slash technology strategist. That's fantastic because we're going to have some good conversation. We started pre-show and uh, producer said, shut up and get moving on to the show because this is good things already. So let's pick it up. We there. were rolling. <laughs> yeah, we were. Great, great conversation, man. Right on. We were talking about entre entrepreneurship and how you and I are not the tech guys that like to stare at screens all day long. You know, we sort of transitioned over the dark side or maybe we all always were dark siders to begin with you know, into just networking and connecting with people because uh, that's what most to me and I'm sure you, most of what technology really is about, technology is just a tool to enable human beings, to enable people. Yeah, totally. totally. It really is. It's like, if you, if you really understand what, what it can do for you, it, it can like 10 X everything that you're doing. Um, just don't fear it, like totally embrace it and realize what it can really do for you. Yeah, for sure. Now, we also were talking about how you were the, the guy again, similar to me, how technology, we could do it, right? We could do the tech stuff. But then you transitioned away from that. What, what was that shift look like for you? I think I was always away from it. You know, I, I fell into I, IT. It wasn't like I wanted to be a cop, you know? And it, <laughs> no joke. Uh, yeah, I blew, <laughs> me, I blew out my too, chest dude. bench pressing. Yeah. I, blew, I tore my, I'm missing like half my chest from bench pressing like 25 oh years ago. And I kind of changed that trajectory. So I was like, what am I going to do? Dude, know, that's not time, on a bio anywhere. What the hell? <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. yeah, minor detail. Yeah, no, no, so, no joke. That's where I was too. I was a police cadet. I was going to do a military police and the law enforcement. And then same thing, just fell into tech. That's just kind of how it went. Yeah. And it's a good place to fall. I mean, it was, I then I was going to be a, 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 a fireman because I volunteered for 15 years in my hometown. So I was like, all right, I could be a fireman. And, and I fell into this stuff. And I'm telling you, I didn't know, this is back in 98, 99. I didn't know anything. Like I, I didn't know a, a single thing about computers. And I was given an opportunity at the World Trade Center at Deutsche Bank. Friends of mine had a contract there and I just fell into it. But even when I was coming up and, and teaching myself and, and like being that techie tech, it never really felt like what I wanted to do. Like there was always this, this other like, Thing where I just would connect with the, the the end users or the customers, and I would spend more time with, with the chit chatting and getting to know them and, and and feeling good. And I was always able to do the work, but it, it never came easy. What came easy was seeing the bigger picture and seeing what other people don't see and didn't see. And so naturally, when I had the opportunity to transition out of, um, you know, I was in corporate America. I had a pretty pretty good job at a multi billion dollar company running IT in New York City. When I had the opportunity to, to kind of depart from that and go on my own path, it was scary as hell. And I, but I did it. I just was like, you know what? I don't want to be in a cage. Like, I don't want to be working for other people. I don't want to just be this techie tech guy following this, this path that you're supposed to follow. Um, and so I left and, and it, I felt this freedom, this like, sort of like, wow, now I can do whatever I want. And I discovered all along I was technical, but I was really an entrepreneur. And I didn't know it. 
and that began the path of 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 the whole the world that we're in now. But uh, it just didn't feel right. It never felt right. Yeah, I swear. It felt like I was doing something for a paycheck. You know, for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was saying, I swear we're doppelgangers, at least as far as mindset goes. You know, and there's a lot of, I've talked about this a little bit before, but I think that there's going to be a lot of coronapreneurs, especially in the tech industry. I coined it a little while ago, you know, I think it was on a previous episode, but especially in tech, because what, what do techs do? I mean, for you and uh, I, I got to write that down. I'm going to buy that domain. Yeah, go for it. Coronapreneur. <laughs> I'll sell it to you for hundred grand. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love it. I think my people bought the domain already so we're good yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, looking at how tech people branch out you know or start off on their own most of the time and this was the same case with me you know i don't know what your opportunity looked like but i was laid off you know i had been doing tech and then i moved into sales and wrote a sales playbook for best buy after graduating through geek squad but before that i worked with merrill lynch i mean enterprise level stuff you know s similar to what you're talking about when you're in new york and the, how you were brought up or cut your teeth in the tech field i was doing the same thing but i always loved interacting with the people more than anything else and I was finally pushed out, even though I knew in my heart that it's, you know, like deep down, it just didn't sit right what I was doing because I felt like I was meant for more. And I felt like I, I needed to be running something and building something to where I could impact people that are working for me, you know, rather than trying to just build up somebody else who I'm working for. That was something that just always didn't sit right with me either. You know, the whole paycheck thing. I hated receiving the paycheck because it was limiting, but I love now writing the paychecks because I see it as fulfilling. I mean, fulfilling is like an understatement. It's like, I, I actually stop to think on a regular basis um, about how grateful I am that, um, although I worked my, my, my butt off for 20 years to get things to where they are, I have the opportunity now to actually sign that paycheck. Um, and, and it's, there's people that, that, that are, are my employees, but they're my, they're my work family, they're my team, but it's them, it's their children, it's their spouses who we're, we give, we're able to provide not just income, but that income gives them a place to live. It gives them the money in their pocket. It gives them medical insurance. Uh, what we do is, is very powerful. And, and it's important that there's small businesses and that there's entrepreneurs because we actually create. It's true. We're creators. We're, we're, we're um, creative thinkers. We don't just create jobs. We create the ideas that in and of itself is the company that, that allows the job to even exist. Like we literally create signing that paycheck is a reminder. You don't really sign a paycheck, by the way. Do you? No, no. Sign, I, sign. You, you click a button. Actually, I don't you, you used to be clicking. A I don't button, know. You know right? my, my bookkeeper does. But, <laughs> For sure. but, but that, that, that there's a gratefulness that we, we, we people like you and I do. We, we, I'm sure we share it that, wow, it's so cool that we started with nothing. We built something. And we're able to actually impact other people's lives, namely our, our, our work families, you know? I love that. There's uh, with IT people specifically, this is something that I see and something uh, that I try to grapple with, right? Because you and I just went for it, right? We jumped in and there, there was no, I went for it, man. yeah, there was no looking back. You know, it was, uh, I did, I think my third episode ever, cause we're in like a hundred something now. My third episode ever was called burn the net. And that was really what I did. And I'm sure you did too, was that, you know, I, I had this visualization of these trapeze artists, you know, and everything in the circus and it isn't just remove the net. It's like freaking burn the thing, you know, so you can't even think about putting it back up. You know, there there's is, no plan B. Exactly. Exactly. And Tony Robbins puts it like this. He's like, just burn the boats. That's yeah. his thing. Burn the boats. There's, there's, no, there's no other way off the island. Um, Schwarzenegger had one too that I watched. Um, well, his was, there's no plan B. You just go for it. Yeah. You know, plan A is the plan. 
right on. I see. Make it work. I've seen IT people, you know, and I'll call them IT people because you and I were IT people. We were IT people in corporations, you know, at one point we were those, those individuals and they'll move out, you know, whether it's, you know, quitting disagreements, whatever, or laid off fired, you know, a lot of them are fired in just whatever reason, you know, cause it's hard to understand our culture sometimes I think, because we're, we're quirky in that way, but then they, they shift into they shift into where they're running their own thing, right? And it might be like a one or two man shop. And, but that's where it stays. And some of them will even say, hey, you know what? I'm done doing this. I want to shift back into working for someone else because at least I had a steady paycheck at that point. You know, do you remember what it was like during that point where you're like, I'm jumping in and I'm not really making any money? What caused you to push through that, that phase? I'm a maniac, man. I, I have persistence and like commitment and like, I just knew what I wanted to do. And I was fortunate enough that, um, I did, I wasn't fired, but I was probably going to be because the company I worked for found out that I had a you know side gig, which apparently now is like normal. Yeah. But, um, back <laughs> now to it's me, even like, like, uh, idolized as a side hustle. Right, like, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had, yeah. Like we all have, it's a side hustle. You do some IT work. Yeah. So when they found out I was, um, I decided rather than have the, the stain of being fired, I just quit. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, now what? And I didn't know I was going to go into doing all this. I just kind of took me about a year or two to figure it out. But once I went, it was just me. I was working out of my basement in my house. It was just me. And, and I just was like, I'm going. And I, I know how to, you know, I have a, a very corporate view and a small business view of things. I, I did make one more stop to answer your question. And I ran, um, I was a CFO for a, a multi-million dollar company. And during that experience for three and a half years, while I was still running my side business, which now was, I was making hundreds of thousands a year off the side business. And my, my new employer, who was a friend of mine from the firehouse, knew I had that. And he didn't care. He was like, look, do whatever you have to do, just run my business as it needs to be run. That three-year experience with him for three and a half years um, was the last piece I needed feel the confidence I needed to fully understand sales, to have an idea about marketing and to understand specifically finance and the finances of running a business because I did it for him for three and a half years and he beat me up like you wouldn't believe. I mean, and, and so I learned a lot, but I, I don't know that a, a lot of people that I've experienced can, can take that type of beating and that type of experience and see it as an opportunity to learn. But when I finally turned to him and I'm like, his name is Chris. I'm like, Chris, I, I I'd like to convert you to a customer. Have you be one of my clients, an IT client, and I'm going on my own. I'm, I'm, I, I've got enough business. I've got enough revenue coming in, reoccurring. Um, I'm going on my own, and that was actually the final. That was three years after I, I quit that job in the city. Then I went on my own. It was just me, man. It was it's scary, um, but the thing is, I just push through fear. Like I, I make a decision, I weigh the pros and the cons, and it's calculated. But I have a high threshold for um for mental mental and emotional and psychological pain. <laughs> and, and you have to if you're an entrepreneur. And I, I sure. had that. And I, I saw I, I again this this whole multi-year process of turning into what I became. I didn't know at the time that that's what I was doing to myself. I didn't realize I was molding this 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 future version of myself. But the future version of myself at that then is who I am now. And you, you got it. And I just pushed it. I pushed and pushed and pushed. It went from me then to my first employee, my second employee. Then I got an office with two little rooms. Um, we had four or five of us squished into this one little room at one point. And we were using our own. We just, we just kept going. I kept clawing and clawing. And here's the key to it all. 
I knew from the very beginning that I had to begin with the end in mind. Now, I don't know what the end is yet, but I do know maybe I sell it. Maybe I keep acquiring other companies because that's how I've grown. Whatever it is, I put processes and systems in place from day one before I had any people knowing that those things were necessary to scale the company. And to, what I have now is I have something that's actually franchisable if I wanted to. It's so process and system driven that people have paid me to re-engineer to, to re-engineer their own entire business workflows, top to bottom, because they're not as effective and as, as efficient as and productive as they should be. I did that um, from the very first day, and so I was scared, but I also knew that I knew what I was capable of, and that comes from in your heart and your soul. I knew what I was capable of because I know that I'll work harder than anybody else around me. I always have. Right on. And that, that's that's what it is. I love that. That's, if I failed, I failed. I, I could always go get a job in the city again. And for I knew sure. That. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know about you, but I think it's pretty awesome to fail. I mean, afterwards, when you're looking in hindsight, it's pretty awesome. But of course, there's a lot of suck when you're going through it in the moment. Uh, but falling on your face and getting beat up, I think it's something that every entrepreneur needs. And I don't think you truly are an entrepreneur unless you go through that fire. And that's a that's where times times what you said times a hundred man. Yeah. You you have to you have to. And the thing is, even with what's going on now, as terrible as what's going on the past year is, business wise, it's a it's 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 shaking out the weak hands. The businesses that really can't make it, they're gone, or they're about to be gone, or they'll be gone soon. And the businesses that are really run well, um, they'll make it. They'll be all right, and they'll pivot. They'll pivot. They'll be decisive. They'll shift. And um, I've done it. I did it back in March. Back in March, I sat my whole company down. I'm like, all right, here's the deal, March or April. Here's what I have a seven phase plan to get us through this. We're all going to be all right, which I, I did. I spent a lot of time coming up with the plan. And I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that if anything happens, I've got seven steps that, I, that I've got laid out that will maintain us and our customers and we'll get through this. I never had to go into any of those steps because our business is so strong. I didn't have to let anybody go. I didn't have to. Uh, we've been giving out bonuses. We have given out raises. We're actually better off now than we were before. It's it's partially a tribute to, to to me and and and, but it's mostly a tribute to the fact that the processes and systems that I put in place years ago, that's the glue that holds it all together. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Man, that's fantastic. As we're talking about, you know, you said you, that the way you've gotten to where you are right now is acquisitions. You know, and that's a path that I'm just starting down. I'm actually looking at private placement and things right now. There's investors that want to jump on board because same thing. There's processes and systems in place. I know you're saying no, but I have the end in mind too. And the end in mind is way up there. (laughs) We we should talk after this. We should talk after this. Yes. (laughs) Taking a look at at who's out there, you know, there's this difference too that I've seen between, and everybody likes to say, hey, when they have their own business, their own small business, the word now of entrepreneur is just kind of thrown around. And everyone feels that, you know, this is personal opinion here that, oh, I'm an entrepreneur because I have my own business. And I learned because it was a shifting point for me after having my own IT and then cybersecurity firm for about five years, there was a shifting point for me to where I really realized that I was an entrepreneur. Yeah, and that's when I started attacking everything and really believing that this thing is bigger than me. And that's how it has to be in order to continue growing, in order to continue impacting lives. You know, that's when I, I even looked at doing the media that I'm doing right now. It's just, it was this transition phase to where, like you said, you didn't even realize it right away. And that resonated so much with me because even though I knew it was inside of me, I didn't really realize it even after I started out, quote unquote, on my own. 
Yeah, but you look at it, and I was talking with somebody the other day, this is in a group that I'm a part of, and I was explaining our industry, you know, because a lot of people that start in our industries worked for corporations like us, and then they shifted over and started their own gig. It could have been a side hustle that turned into something else. They could have been, you know, doing Wi-Fi networks in a home or something like, hey, I can do this at a business too and make some more money. That's cool. That's great. But then that's kind of where they stay, you know, and really he came up with the phrase like, oh, so most are really like owner operators. And I had already always heard that term as far as like a truck driver, right? Transportation owner operator. And that's what I likened it to, or, you know, a small manufacturing company or something like that to where there's the owner back there literally running the machines and the, the fabrication equipment and everything else. But in our industry that exists a lot to where it's owner operators and they're, they're, they're doing the same thing right now, just for themselves, making the same money with more pressures than what they were working for a corporation. I don't know how you see that, but I see that as kind of being tragic. You know, it's like either jump all in with both feet or it's okay. Take the pressures off because there's a hell of a lot of pressures in doing what we do and just work for somebody else. How do you feel about that? It is tragic. And I totally agree with you. I mean, to me, it's like 95% of our industry, <clears throat> barring like the huge companies that, that are, you know, that are buying up people like us. Like there's those, but, but the, the small medium business, it, it is tragic. Um, it's it's almost everybody that I come across in our market in, in general. And it's funny because the cream does rise to the top. And so it could be that people like you and I, it's not that there's anything wrong with those owner operators or, but if they're satisfied, you know, the, the, getting it to be into their forties and fifties and maybe sixties and still dealing with the phone calls in the middle of the night and not being able to go on vacation and having to be on vacation with your family and you're just sitting in, your, in front of your computer for the entire time and you can't break. I did all that, but there was always a vision to get out of that. Um, the thing is I've, I've experienced people. I did, I did a couple of deals over the past five years and uh, I've, I've experienced three partners that, that, that came on, which are not, they're, they're no, no longer with me, but they came on because they wanted the bigger vision. They wanted what it is that I want, that I do, the, the vision that I see and what, I'm, and what I'm manifesting. But then when it actually came down to it, they were owner operators. They couldn't get their heads out of the business. They couldn't shift their mindset. They, they needed their, this ego-driven need to control and to be involved in every little thing because that's all they know. Instead of doing their jobs, Right. So ultimately I had to buy them all out. They're all gone. It's just me again. And the reason for that, and I learned something very valuable, but the reason number one is because they have that mindset. Is it, it I look at it as it's, it's, it's so it's sad in a way because they'll never go any further than where they are today. Um, because their own mindset is in their way. It doesn't mean for them that it's bad. They may be perfectly content and accepting of that. And that's okay. That is very much but okay. Yeah, I'm with it's you. It's totally yep. okay. But my vision, and it sounds like your vision, is way bigger than that. So when you talk about a visionary, um, we have we, we just wired different. Like We are able to get out of the way of fear. The, the, we're not driven by the fear. We can pivot. We can be decisive. And we can make things happen, like doing deals to grow the company. Um, the lesson I learned, though, out of all that, is to be extremely, extremely careful and frankly, to do disc assessments, behavior assessments, personality assessments before partnering with anybody ever again, because those things do come up. If it's an owner operator mindset, it's not a person you want to partner with. It's not a deal you want to do. Um, they're they're going to get in the way unless they can really get behind you as the leader, as the, the you know, the, 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 that 
um, the visionary, right? There's a vision. If they can't get behind it, all they're going to do is be resistance. You're never going to be in a flow state. And you'll end up doing what I did, which is spending $400,000 in legal fees and going through two business divorces. Oh, However, God, yeah. That's all good. In the end, I've got a business that's still the vision I wanted. I've got a, a revenue that's still the vision I wanted. Um, and it's, it's still what I want it to be. And it's a growth mindset. It's a scalable mindset. It's, um, it's, it's really cool, actually. But yeah, it's, it's tragic that they, they'll never see the successes that maybe you and I see financially and certainly being able to help more people, more and more and more people. It's tragic in that way. But for them as individuals, they don't, you know, they don't realize that they're, they're stuck there. There's a, there's a lack of awareness. So if they're content they in that spot, it. that's cool because that could be all they would like in life. And that's perfectly okay too, because that, let's say there's got, nothing wrong with it. Yeah. They, they've got the single family home, which is fantastic. And I'm not focusing this on material things, but they, they've got a family, nice yeah, kids. Yeah. Amazing kids. And you know, th that's what they, they want in life. And that's perfectly cool. The, what the tragic part are the ones that feel that hole still, you know, or that pressure and be like, why did I ever start this to begin with? You know, there's so many pressures that are involved in this because now I have to deal with insurance concerns. Now I have to deal with more liabilities, especially in the cyber world. Now what I can get sued for millions of dollars just because my, my client now blamed me for a breach that they just had and claim negligence on my part. We, we carry that, man. Yeah. We sleep with that. That's always there. You know? Same here. And it's not cheap insurance, man. <laughs> and that's the thing, no, you know, because you, you talk about 95% of our industry, you know, I, I would venture to say that it's probably 80% of those 95% that are the owner operator types are not even carrying the proper insurance for this because it, there's it's so the same reason they're not growing. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> they're, they're lacking. Um, listen, those, those deals I did that I was telling you about, we're, we're describing the same same person out there it is 85 90 95 percent of the of the industry they are technicians who evolved into hey i got enough business let me start a business and hey all right now i'm running a business and okay great that doesn't make you an entrepreneur number one and number two just because you can run a business doesn't mean that you should be you might even be somebody who started that maybe you should step aside do what you're best at which is do the it and hire a ceo to run your business which is also cool. That's awesome. CLO. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, that gives you the freedom you need. But the problem is that these, these um, owner operators that haven't evolved and become mature business owners, they don't get it. And it's unfortunate because nobody teaches us, you know, in the, in the immortal words of Robert Kiyosaki, they don't teach us that in school. Yeah, right on. <laughs> now, now, here's the straight truth out of everything we've just said, right? We've just pissed off about 50% of the people that are listening, which is great because we're telling them that they're stuck. You know, where they're we having... want them to think. It's good. We're inspiring. We're inspiring right to see. Wait, is and that I, me? It, yeah, I feel you. And it's not bad that that's happened, but I, I do want to bring it back around because it, you and I live to uplift people too. And that's the thing. But uh, one of the things that I fully believe in is that you need a mirror put in front of you first. I had to have that <sighs> many times in my life. And I had to take a good, long, freaking hard look at that mirror to really accept what was going on. You know, cause the only play, the only totally. way you can move forward is actually really understanding truly where you're at right now. Yeah, so if that's, that's the that's case, <laughs> right on. I mean, that's just the straight truth. And so I've had to have coaches and mentors in my life, even last night, you know, a, a director who's on my board, because part of what we're doing this year is doing a reggae offering for acquisitions, right? A, a public offering. And he's hitting me last night and he's hitting me hard. You know, I spent about 45 minutes with him last night. And at the end of it, I'm like, man, I needed that ass whooping. 
for real. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I mean, he was just pounding away. We talked to the phone, but then he just kept hitting me with text message after text message last night. And I'm just looking at this and it's like, this is what I need because this was the mirror in front of my face, you know, just to say, Hey, the, you know, it was a deal. And he's like, this is not good. And here in the last part, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, bro, I need a commitment. I don't need a screenshot of something. I need you to say, this is what you're going to do. You know, that's, this is a director and he's also my fractional CFO. You know, so it, it was both of those, those realms that he was looking into. And I was like, after them, like, I appreciate you. That was my response. Thank that's you powerful. for real. Yeah, exactly. Because that's just a look at where I was and that's never going to stop. So if you're running away from that as the owner operator and saying, you know what, I'm just going to keep tr drudging along here, spinning my wheels. You have to take a real look at where you're at. Is that where you want to be for the next 20 years? Because let, let's talk real numbers, Matt, for a sec. We, we're both into acquisitions. Uh, one just a couple of weeks ago, $1.8 million cybersecurity company. We'll call them an IT support company or an MSP because it's a, they really had not involved, evolved completely, right? $1.8 million in revenue every year. And most, most would be like, you know, because most of our industry does under $500,000 a year in revenue. That's just the case. That's a 95%. You know that. You see all the acquisition data. Exactly. So when I took a look at his EBITDA, because e the valuation of a company, for those who are listening, is typically, you know, most in our industry think, oh, it's recurring revenue with a multiple of that. Sort of, you know, it's an okay bet, but not really. You know, it, it's your EBITDA, your profitability, or you can call it seller discretionary earnings after you add back in what you're taking out as a seller, plus any perks like yeah, vehicles. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And those are big numbers. That's where, that's where the hidden money is. For sure. Absolutely it is. So when I'm looking at this, even with the ad backs for SDE, for the seller discretionary earnings, they were sitting on a $1.8 million company at around 120 k per year in seller discretionary earnings. Yeah. So you're talking like 7%. Yeah. And his asking price was $825,000. So he was looking so at it. Touch. Yeah. It, it was so eight, out of touch. It was 8x multiple, right? And yeah. I'm looking at this, I'm like, dude, you're really worth like 300 K if, yeah. because if. I was gonna, if. yeah. And that was the, the hard thing. And I'm taking a look, I'm like, where have you been? And this is the straight truth, the hard, the hard hitting stuff. What have you been doing the past 20 years? Cause his thing was moving on to retirement. He was mid sixties and he's like, well, I, I need the 800 K for my retirement. I'm like, the, f the first thing is that if you're going to live another 20 years, 800 K is not enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just look at inflation. Second of all, you're really only worth about 300 if, you know, if there's a, there's an earnout yeah. structure that's in place. If those action. contracts are good. If you, exactly. if you have contracts on the recurring revenue. Right on. Which by the way, the mix was 18% in recurring revenue. Most of it was still like consulting services, typical old school kind of. He's not worth anything. I would, yeah, he's not, he's not worth anything. Yeah. So I there's mean, no value to that business. Right on. So, he's the value. He's the business. That's it. Means he he can't, was he a value. Can't go yeah. anywhere. Right on. And that's why I put a five-year earnout structure in place. That was the only way that I would make an offer for that. Right. You know, he would have and to then stick you around. And deal with him and hope he works every day because right he wants on. to retire his mindset. So I'd walk away from that one. Man. Yeah. And I did. I, I did. Yeah. Exactly. So he ended up going with somebody else where he didn't have to stick around. And from what his broker came back to me with was he got a deal of about $350,000. So, you know, I was the one that held up the mirror. That's cool. And then he went somewhere else to get the straight truth again. And it's like, okay, this is what I have to do. But now he's working for that company, saying exactly what I'm saying for the next six years or so. This is what the broker told me. You know, so that's the straight truth is what are you building right now? You know, and 
what are you going to look at 20 years from now? Because if this is your retirement, if this is what you're saving for, because Social Security, that's not going to be around, right? These are people that are probably no, no our way. age in their 40s, right? 20, 25 years from now, it's not going to be around. It's impossible. A 401k is not going to last you. You know, you need to have some real investments. I totally agree with you. You need oh, to have some real. So if you're building this to sell at some point and exit, you need to go all in for this or you need to go work for somebody else, someone, some place that can provide a pension, which don't almost don't exist anymore either. That's gone too. Yep. Or make wise investments. Otherwise, what's the choice of that? If you're that owner operator, go freaking all in. That's you it. You got to go all in. There's, there's, there's nothing you can do. I mean, you're, and if, you, if you're that guy and you're in that position, frankly, forget retiring, work another five or 10 years and take the, the profits from your business instead, instead of spending it on yourself and doing whatever you're doing with it, take that and then invest that in places so that in the future, you've got cash flow coming from something other than your business. Right on. Right on. Like real estate. Buy real estate that has positive cash flow. That's what I'm going to do. Multi-units, especially. Right that's on. what I do. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. I, I, my, I make money from my business for, for sure, but my 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 personal wealth doesn't come from the business because I don't necessarily know if I'm going to sell it or keep it. It doesn't matter. I'm still building, but the the cash flow that comes from that, you do have to know. Like, what do you want to do? Like, you're you're right. You're not going to retire. I mean, four hundred one k is is to me is becoming nonsense. I contribute to it because my employees need to, and if I don't, they can't. So I contribute to it, but. You, you, as a business owner, you got to, your bottom line matters, you, seven, 8%. To your point, I think the guys I did deals with, they were running like that and they didn't think so. They thought that they were running healthy. And I, I'm doing spreadsheets and looking at numbers like, what you're running at 10, 11, 12%. And it's mostly project work, it's mostly billable time. Your value is pretty damn low. And I don't care how many millions you're running at, your business isn't worth anything. But inside of that, I see the dime. I see the diamond in the rough. I see how we can convert things, how we can clean things up, how we can be more efficient. And I take the business that was doing 12% and roll it into my process and workflow. And now it's doing 25, 30% margins. So they're, they're out there, but um, those business owners, they never, my experience, they never actually come to grips with it because it would cause them to question everything they've been doing for as long as they've been doing it. Um, which requires you to have awareness, insight, and the ability to actually look in the mirror at yourself and say, holy shit, well, I've been doing this wrong. Um, I, I could have been doing it different. And wow, it's left so much on the table. That's a big mind shift for people. It's a big mind shift. I'm excited about where we're going to go from here because we're 30 minutes in and I don't know. <laughs> Let's just to some personal stuff. Is that cool? Because uh, we've talked part of my French, by the way, I have to control myself here and there. I've gotten better at it, but there's times where it just flies too. I, man, you know, actually, you know what, dude, we're just going to end it there. Is that cool? We need to, because we've been hit hard hitting this entire, and this episode is what this is going to be about. It's just a reality check. That's it. Reality check for everyone who's in our industry that, and we want to help them. And this is the way that we can help them too, is saying, listen, here is what the current economic scenario is both across the globe and also for you personally, this is what you have to take. So take this. And from here, I hope that everybody listening makes decisions, man, because there's a lot of hard hitting decisions when, if you want to be a true entrepreneur. This is a time right now where in our business, aside from doing deals and M&A, you have to pivot because the way we were operating and services we were delivering a year ago or two or three, it's it's done. 
um, where we need to be now and, and, and going forward to the next call it one to three years, it's the same but different. You have to recognize what you really need to be able to deliver to people, cybersecurity, cloud, and collaboration tools. You have to be able to deliver those well. You can't deliver everything. So pick what you're going to deliver and deliver it, do a good job on it, and be the best at it. Um, but don't spend this year fumbling around trying to figure it out, you know, chasing your tail, saying, I'm going to come up with a plan that you never sit down to put together, which takes an hour. You know, really lead, lead your company, take it somewhere, know where you're going and get behind it and have confidence that you in yourself that you you've got it figured out and you could be wrong. And you know what? If you're wrong, pivot again. That's the beauty of it. You know? there, there's endless pivots. There's no limit to how often you can reinvent endless. yourself. That's yeah. the entrepreneur. Right Fail on. And pivot. Fail right and on. Pivot. Matt, this was incredible. You got me fired up this morning. <laughs> My first one of the day here. Awesome. Thank you, brother. I hope you had fun too. And uh, where can Great. everyone find you? Because of course it's mind-core.com for your company, but you're on Instagram, you're on probably on Facebook, whatever, but where can everybody find you just to connect yeah. with you, follow you? Best place is LinkedIn. Just look me up and um, you can search for me with MindCore. Um, YouTube, I have I mean tons of videos. I'm probably putting out about ten a week now, and um, nice. new videos. And I do have a podcast that I'm working on. It's going to start up in a, a few weeks. But for now, just go to LinkedIn, and everything is there. Cool, brother. Everybody needs to go to and connect with Matt on LinkedIn. And thanks for joining in today. Share this with everybody you know that's in this industry, especially or just a general entrepreneur, because this was hard hitting and you needed today. Matt, thanks, my man. What's shaking? Thank you for joining me on the All In Podcast. Click the subscribe button and smash that bell for notifications. Text me, 312-535-8520. Follow me on social media, at Mr. Rick Jordan. See you next episode. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message.